partnering with RTE on climate is not enough. AIB, we pledge to do more. Hello and welcome to Dirty Laundry with me, Tara Stewart. I am a DJ and presenter of the new music show on 2FM. In this podcast series, I'll be exploring all things sustainable fashion and endeavouring to discover and learn more about this new area of fashion. I love fashion. I love expressing myself through clothes and trainers. However, my relationship with fashion is changing as is the world of fashion as we know it. I want to learn more about the world of sustainable fashion from the people working in it and around it and I guess share this journey with you so we can both come away with a new sense of awareness. In this episode, I'll be chatting to two women who I have to say played a huge part in me starting my sustainable journey. Hi guys, we are currently in the Tara Buildings and I am joined by the wonderful Taz and Geraldine of Sustainable Fashion Dublin. Hello, hello. hello. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Well, we're in your space. Yeah. You yeah. space. Welcome to you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> my building. Um, we're in your space. You guys work out of the Tara Buildings. It's such an amazing space. How do you find it? Oh, we're so lucky to have it. So yeah. lucky. And actually, funny story for the first day that we moved in. So my name is actually Tara as well. And like the Wi-Fi password, this is probably too much information now, but it's Welcome Tara. And on the first day we moved in, Geraldine typed in for the Wi-Fi password, Welcome Geraldine. Because <laughs> I thought it was individualised. Until we all got her in individual. But it's a great space. We're so lucky to I be there. It. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I love that so much. <laughs> so we're here today to talk about sustainable fashion. And it is the topic that it, everyone is talking about at the moment. But you guys I are like the, I'd say for me, have changed the way that I've looked at the world of fashion and definitely inspired me with the way I work and do my life now. So I want to talk to you about that. The history of fast fashion I want to start off with first because basically I want to talk about things that people might not know about. We're kind of getting facts out there as well and things that people can do in the end. Mm -hmm. So can one of you start off with telling me just the history of fast fashion, how it started, how we got ourselves into this position and um, then leading into the circular economy of fashion, which you guys do? Yeah, well, fast fashion is basically this kind of blink and you miss it speed at, with, at which um, fashion is being produced um, and demanded nowadays. So it's kind of this way in, in which, you know, the buying uh, cycle has been reduced and reduced to a level at which in the past there was two seasons of fashion fashion. And now, since basically the 1990s and thereafter, it's turned into more seasons, more seasons, more seasons. I saw and somewhere it was like 40, I think 52. One, yes. 52 seasons. Yeah. yeah. That's, and it's like, <laughs> yes. how long do you, would you say fast fashion has been, been around like this, like we know it now? So it's kind of, it, it is interesting. I suppose it was kind of like the 1990s when, when fast fashion kind of exploded. So fast fashion is this, uh, this blink and you miss a trend. It's, it's just quantities of clothing readily available to people um, w- like we as a generation own four times the amount of clothing that our parents would have owned when they, are, they were our age and the reason for that is because the quantity in which these fast fashion houses are putting out these 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 clothes so it's kind of thought to be around from about the 1990s but it is a business model that is it is functional for these fast fashion houses it's functional for the consumer themselves consumers can get whatever they want in every shape every size every color they can look open an issue of Vogue and see Kim Kardashian in an outfit and expect for that outfit to be in a high street shop with just a few little alterations on it within two weeks so it's kind of this 
it's it, it there is a demand there from the consumer you know even when you look at from like every stage of production with fast fashion you look at the actual crop itself you look at how it's sown you look at the pesticides and fertilizers that are being sprayed on the on the the plant themselves so even uh, with just just with cotton, twenty five percent of all pesticides that are used in the world is just for the production of cotton. So that's in the very beginning stages of the production line. And and again, another interesting kind of observation is that it really is kind of turning into a feminist issue because not only is it women who are kind of consuming the most, say, in the Western side of the world and feeling the most pressure, but it's women predominantly who are making the clothes. I mean, I think it's something more than 80% of the people making clothes in these factories are women and they're just being treated terribly. So... Uh, so yeah, it's a it's bigger a, issue, not just yeah. climate. It is a feminist issue. Oh, it's well. oh social, hugely so. economic. Like it, it, there's so many different levels to it. Like, there are corners being cut and we're not seeing where those corners are being cut. We think we know the effects of climate change. It's a bit warm today. It was mm. raining yesterday. But who's really seeing the effects of climate change and our consumerism is these developing countries who are essentially making, making this clothing for us to wear. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the thing is, it's not like it's not known that the where your clothes are being made has been made in a terrible conditions. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's been known a long time. Yeah. But has just been something where it's like, oh yeah, but that's just the way it is. And it's like, that shouldn't be the way it is. Yeah. Like I feel, and now I feel like there's the movement in the last couple of years, especially this year. It's like, no, that's actually not acceptable at all. I think it is like the climate kind of addition to it. Because, mm. you know, there was an, a kind of like a sweatshop epidemic in like the, the late 90s and early 2000s where we heard more and more about sweatshops. I think probably, you know, most most of the listeners will remember kind of hearing about sweatshops. Mm. I think the workers' conditions has kind of been known for a bit longer than the environmental effects yeah. of the fashion industry. And I think when we're faced with this climate crisis right now, we can't an emergency. turn on... Emergency. Emergency. Yeah. Mm. We can't turn on the news. We can't open the newspaper without seeing climate emergency and I think people are finally linking the two and being like this is a deep rooted issue that has that has so many different kind of channels of of kind of of harm I suppose mm-hmm. yeah so uh, maybe whilst in the past it was removed now you can't ignore it yeah yeah you know you're dead right how did you even start sustainable fashion Dublin did it start in a pub where did you even decide you guessed it you want- <laughs> <laughs> true to form <laughs> So well, how did it start? Well, right from the beginning. Actually, it's funny because people often think that myself and Taz are like childhood friends. Surely you've known each other for years and years. But actually, um, it all started over Instagram, the, um, November 2018. And um, so to give you our, kind of an idea of our respective um, pasts, I was working for a women's magazine. So I was knee deep in the fashion industry, really wow. seeing firsthand, yeah, consumption. I mean, at its most intense um, and, you know, the promotion of consumption as well. And it just, I suppose, it wasn't sitting well with me my my um background before that would have been in social work so I kind of did have the social conscience and it was kind of grating it was maybe this like social um, this need for to do social good was kind of a, a an itch that needed to be scratched so to speak mm-hmm. and so um, I was kind of thinking about different ways to move away from the writing and see what other things I could do and I was writing a lot about podcasts and so I was following this girl called Taz who had a podcast Who called, me? Yeah <laughs> in the shower with Taz and Marcus and um, so I, I was following her on Instagram and so so Taz's background, I mean, not to speak on your behalf, but um, it was like she's a huge um, charity shop fanatic, I, I would am, say. I, I think about 90% of your wardrobe must be from yeah, charity shops. More, yeah. And um, so you wanted to do a swap shop. She put the story up being like, hey guys, I want to do a swap shop. Let me know if you want to get involved. And immediately, it was the day that I decided I was going to go freelance. And I was like, boom, 
that's it <laughs> sorry dramatic slap <laughs> of the <Sound> table <laughs> um, we should get uh, a crash yeah cow <laughs> some thunder maybe um, for that moment. yeah <laughs> so I knew that that was what I wanted to do and I messaged her a very eager message and thankfully she wasn't too scared off by it and we met up for a drink in Grogan's pub in Dublin and from there sustainable fashion was born it was kind of like platonic love at first sight and we both kind of knew exactly what we wanted to do we had the same idea we didn't want to do something positive something community driven and yeah we, I think our first event was a charity shop crawl with yeah we actually we, so the first thing we chatted about was a swap shop that was kind mm. of the initial idea but there is a lot of organisation in a swap shop so we thought we wouldn't exchange keys just yet yeah. and we'd kind of like <laughs> test the water with a charity shop crawl yeah. so we bought brought a beautiful gr- a group of 12 sustainable fashionistas around a crawl through Dublin's charity shops we went to about 19 charity shops that day and I will never forget as long as I live the feeling after that um, charity shop we went for another drink <laughs> and um, <laughs> I feel we, like all great ideas are born at Grogan's yeah, yeah. amen <laughs> but, um, but yeah it was just it was it was the community aspect more than everything like, like at the buzzing. end of that charity shop crawl we saw people exchanging phone numbers and that's just honestly like that's something that we pride ourselves on even more yeah. but like since then that was only in December and since then we've hosted over 70 events and wow. have created this amazing, gorgeous, engaged community of over 17,000, which is amazing. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. And so aside from swap shops and charity shop calls, what other events do you guys do? Yeah, so we really try to promote um, the kind of elongation of the lifespan of a piece of clothing because, I mean, the more you can wear a piece of clothing, the smaller its carbon footprint. So we host um, upcycling workshops, we host mending classes, we do kind of talks to businesses and schools just to get the information out there because we say like fundamentally like people are good they want to do better and it's just once they have the information it's easier and we hope that we can provide a bridge that exactly. makes it a little bit easier for people we're like all of our events um, really encourage the circular economy of clothing so as I previously mentioned we own four times the amount of clothing that our parents owned and as a result of that there's just more clothing on the planet than ever before and mm. we're lucky to see so many charity shops and even more charity shops popping up more recently but what we encourage is for people to look at what's in their wardrobe mend upcycle what they already have and then mm. stage two is see if you can get something second hand so that's through our our mending our sewing classes swap shops all that kind of thing and uh, it engages with the circular economy and clothing that you know every item of clothing should have multiple lives it can't yeah. it shouldn't just be worn a handful of times and then thrown to the wayside even if say it doesn't even fit you say like there's some things that I'm like oh I've had that dress for ages and I put it on I'm like oh god it's too tight and you can get it taken out like yeah. even the dress I'm wearing right now I gotta take it out of the sides and so it's even thinking I think in that way but you're mm, a super like, example of that yeah. you're such I just a good love. example of that I just like I mean you guys genuinely inspired me to make this change in my life in this year and it just makes you feel so much better to look because you're like there's a reason why I bought that item of clothing and I've kept on to it yeah. it's because I really love it so why yeah. do I love it and if I'm not loving it now, how can I change it to yeah, love it even more? Absolutely. And it's it's not about like you know following these ever shifting trends. It's about no. embracing your own style. Mm. Um, so yeah. and we don't even need to follow trends. I don't think. I feel like we. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this world is marketed towards us as women as well that we need to have whatever a Kardashian is wearing or. You know, there's a new season we see at Fashion Weeks. We need to have 
whatever the new trend is. Burgundy is the new trend. Yeah. You know, uh, trenches or tartan. And it's like you don't Snakes need kid. all of that stuff. And also, to be honest, if you probably kept on to the stuff that was better quality, you'd have it anyway. Definitely. I want to like, you know, even like vacuum packing your stuff and Definitely. storing it for Definitely. winter, not getting rid of it and then buying, you know, this concept of, oh, we need to buy a whole new autumn, winter wardrobe. It's like, mm. well, you sh- what happened to your one from last year? Yeah. And, and the, the reality of that is that there's every second of every day, there's, there's a garbage truck full of of, of uh, clothes going to landfill or an incinerator, and that completely links in with the fact that what used to be two seasons of fashion is now fifty two. Like these, that's just crazy. And these fast fashion houses are delighted to think that people are going out and buying new autumn wi- winter wardrobes yeah. because that just completely fuels their whole market, their whole yeah. kind of their whole system of how they work. Well, what I think is great is because this is such a big movement right now and we're talking about it, so many people are talking about it. And obviously there are brands that are jumping on it. And, you know, you could say, obviously, on one hand, that they're doing it because it's a trend, but it's not a bad trend to be on top of. And I hope because there's so many people talking about it that it are people and brands will 100% change yeah. I mean down the line that's kind of the goal isn't it yeah, and absolutely. that we're not feeling this need to buy something new I mean you know it's like oh Friday night I'm going out or I'm going to a wedding I need a new dress you don't like you yeah. have formal, you've been alive on this planet for say me 29 years I've had it's not like I don't own any clothes but you have the mindset it's really really yeah. weird even you Taz you were at a wedding recently yeah. and you put a call out about shoes was it yeah the shoes? so actually Joan and your... I went to a wedding together oh um, yeah it was in France we do everything together <laughs> um, honestly like we met in December and now I it's like crush the wedding. every waiting hour um, <laughs> but yeah no and actually we both kind of we both you know understandably obviously we're, we're decided to be sustainable at the wedding but I put out a call on my Instagram for a dress and for a pair of shoes and I got so many people messaging me and, and then, you just wanted to borrow something just borrow something yeah. and and you know in return I told everybody if they ever want to borrow any item of my clothing then then you're more than welcome because I think we, there used to be more of a kind of more of a trend with borrowing clothes when we were younger like yeah. going to teen yeah. discos you know like everyone you, wore that one dress, that one dress. So like, but, but we have we, we've kind of gotten out of that habit and I think a lot to blame is social media because mm. it's, you know, if, if somebody sees, you know, I saw that dress on Susie in her Instagram. Yeah. I'm not going to watch the next wedding. Yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, um, like, I think social media is partly to blame, but there's so much clothing out there. Let's just rotate it amongst ourselves. Mm. Yeah. And you end up getting, like, a gorgeous oh, pair of shoes. The most amazing pair of shoes. And I was, I was so at jealous. the wedding, there was loads of people who worked in fashion, actually. <gasps> the, like, the fragrance manager for Gucci complimented my shoes. And, of course, I didn't have a clue what the shoes were, but, like, I knew that they were something special. I was like, oh, thank you. I know. I, I saw them on your Instagram, and I was like, oh, my God, I really want those shoes so badly. But, like, my I have size eight feet, so I unfortunately can't borrow them off you. I did, um, I just, for some reason, I just remembered there that I dropped in, uh, like, a bag of clothes maybe two years ago to a charity shop in my area and I was like yeah I don't want any of this stuff anymore I don't wear it yet gave it in a few days pass and I'm like thinking about this pink gorgeous jacket that I got from a vintage shop that just it was I think it was just a bit tight on my shoulders but I don't know it was beautiful right I was like I just never wear that like where am I gonna wear it? so for five about four or five days I'm like I think I want to go back and get that jacket. Like, I really, I'm really upset that I dropped it in. Yeah. So I went back in, looking at the charity shop, trying to find it, and I find it. And they had it on sale for 10 years. <laughs> oh, my God. And so I was like, I wonder are you allowed to say that you've changed your mind? And I was like, Tara, it's actually a charity shop. Like, mm. yeah. you're giving money here. Yeah. Stop being so selfish. So I went up and I literally was like, 
Yeah, so I just dropped this in a few days ago. I'm going to buy it back. They were like, okay, cool. I was thought maybe we'd get a discount, but didn't. Mm. No, again, no, I'm for a charity. <laughs> so I bought it back. I've actually done that twice since. Have you? I'm just so bad like that. I'm just like, right, you know, I need to have a fresh start and then drop Marie it in. Marie Kondo, your wardrobe, yeah. and regret it. But then there's been times that I've gone in that and I haven't found the piece. And I'm like, well, I hope it's gone to a good home yeah, somewhere Yeah, that's exactly it. But like that, that, that kind of thing haunts me as well. Like even when I'm going through, actually I do it with my mum all the time. Like I'm going through her old albums of when she was my age. I'm like, where are those green dungarees? I want them oh, in my yeah. life. I know. Do you know what? When I remember growing up thinking I actually didn't like my mum's style. Sorry, mum, no shade. I didn't like her style when I was growing up. But now I'm like, oh, it was amazing style. And I hate that she probably hasn't kept any of yeah. the clothes. But she, I think she's kept most of the clothes from when I was a teenager. And she refuses to get rid of them. And I'm like, like your clothes? All my clothes. She still has all of them. Because I didn't bring much when I moved over here from And what was, what was like teenage Tara style? Vintage, all vintage. Oh, wow. I wore granny clothes, genuinely. I was like all trying to be all 80s chic. I didn't pull it off. <laughs> but that was the plan. I had really cool blazers and everything. So that was the kind of idea. Um, I want to move on to... Something that is, I find I see a lot on social media talking about eco anxiety, right? And the stresses of you know maybe people feel that they're not doing enough, or they see someone drinking out of a plastic water bottle and they freak out. These kind of things. How do you guys feel? Do you you know living up to the being a hundred percent, basically having to hundred percent match your life life of being sustainable. How do you feel having to match up to that? Do you ever get nervous if, say, maybe you're you ha- you're so thirsty you need to drink out of a plastic bottle, something like that? Absolutely. How do you feel about that? Kind Absolutely. Of thing? Like I remember at Forbidden Fruit, um, just at the beginning of the summer festival in Dublin, um, is pissed started lashing rain and it started lashing rain and I didn't bring my raincoat so I had to get one of those plastic ponchos and at the same time I had a plastic cup so I was going around in a plastic poncho with a plastic cup and somebody came over to me and said not very sustainable is it I was like for the love of God oh but like God. Uh, yeah, but, but, but look it is it is it is I don't know actually I don't know if it's as difficult because when, when you know the information it is hard to engage in mm. fast fashion like to be it honest really yeah. hand on my heart I couldn't go in to like a high street shop and buy a t-shirt mm. knowing knowing the effects of my consumption knowing knowing the effects of me choosing to to put my buying power into that shop and support that chain but it is it is hard like it is hard eco-anxiety is definitely also, a real thing and mm. also I just think perfection is so unattainable so like there's no point in you know, beating ourselves up or like, sorry, first of all, we would never shame anyone for their choices. I mean, like we understand that like life is hard enough and people are trying to do their best. We're all about a huge amount of people making small changes as opposed to a small amount of people being absolutely perfect Mm. because we are by no means perfect. So we're not calling anyone to be that way. But I just think I've ever made small changes. But anyway, so I just, I do get that fear that if I do something wrong, people are going to be like, oh, I think you said you're sustainable fashion or whatever. But the thing is as well, like people are just trying their best. Around the rest, but like also, fashion is an, just your clothing choices is an extremely accessible way you can be eco conscious. Like if there are, if there are people listening to this and they're you know as I mentioned this climate emergency is sh- like is in flashing lights in front of us. People are wanting to be a little bit more eco conscious, a little bit more sustainable. A great place to start is with your fashion choices. It's an accessible way that you can be eco conscious and sustainable. So it is extremely doable. Do you know, like if you're not ready to stop driving your car yet, if you're not ready to give up beef, whatever it may be. Fashion, clothing is a very, very easy and accessible place to start. I wanted to, you, it kind of reminded me there of, you know, talking about people not maybe being able to do 100% mm. 
trying to do their best. I know a lot of people, I see this on Twitter a lot, people argue that the sustainable movement is um, quite middle class. And, you know, people bashing people that can't... um, it's like, oh, how can you expect I can afford to go and buy one piece that is this, this hundred few euro or whatever? Um, but I, you know, I have that. I have to buy from pennies. That's all I can afford. What would you say to that kind of that mindset or that that, that idea that people think that it is middle class? I mean, I do feel like you guys would be like, well, no, like if you need to go and buy these clothes, you go and buy it. Yeah. Well, would- like exactly, a hundred percent. The first thing I would always say is like totally get it mm. like we understand that and there's no there's no shame there's no guilt if that's what you have to do this is just one option that is a really positive option but also I think it goes it, it's worth mentioning that like I think in the past sustainable sustainable fashion had this reputation of being like you know all grey and you know itchy and colourless and so expensive and like you know pants made out of granola and it was you know it, <laughs> but expensive exactly expensive, expensive yeah. sorry it's probably, for a yeah. pair of pants so what we're but we're trying to shift this whole frame of mind because actually the reality is the most the easiest way to be sustained with your wardrobe is by just using what's already there. Yes. And that's also not only is the most sustainable way to um you know upgrade your wardrobe or whatever, but also the cheapest. So shop is shopping secondhand, going to charity shops, swapping your clothes amongst friends, like that is a really accessible way for people who have limited income. So I mean it doesn't have to be a case that you're spending a hundred euro on a t shirt, you know, because it's a hundred uh, it's a hundred percent organic cotton or whatever like that. It's there's some really easy alternatives and that's what we try to focus because I think it is important to see that, you know, people have different abilities or different um accessibility to you know different styles or uh, different options so this is just one option that we see as being a really widely accessible Mm -hmm. and it's 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 changed one thing you know like again completely empathize and understand that this is not accessible to, to everybody and that is absolutely fair if if somebody needs to go out and buy a school uniform and they can only afford to buy it the white shirt and pennies who the hell are we to give out about that that is absolutely totally fair but it's just by by engaging by trying different ways to get that white shirt like you know put it up on Facebook look in like look on the likes of Depop see if you can get it in charity shops just look amongst your friends if you can yes. swap with their kids absolutely like just yeah. try or you know even you know young women in particular where this this issue unfortunately is really really targeting if they find themselves buying five new items of clothing a month maybe try buy four and that even a week them. I mean I, I've seen yeah. I saw a girl on Twitter saying I want to stop buying fast fashion and I buy three times a week. And she'll, that three times a week, like, that is crazy. So I think that's also, that's the people it's directed towards mostly as well. Definitely. It's like and the it's, people that think they need to buy hordes of clothes and hauls every single week absolutely. or month. Absolutely. And it's like, buy two things. You know, if you're, mm. if you're buying fast fashion three times a week, just buy two things one week. You don't have to go cold turkey and say you're never going to buy fast fashion ever again. Just try to make a difference. And you'll find, you know yourself probably, I know, and I know you know too, G, that if you know, if you engage in it a little bit, you're more you're more inclined to to realise what else is out there, you know? Mm-hmm. How you get into charity shopping, how you can kind of, you know, discover charity shopping is just by going in and having a look. It's as yeah. simple as that. Yeah. And um, speaking of like upcycling and mending things, I feel like cobblers and tailors and seamstresses have probably never been so busy before. Yeah, well, fantastic. they probably were busy yonks ago and I feel like the trade is now thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
what would you what would you talk about you know seamstresses and tailors like would you recommend people to definitely go if there's a hole in something to go and take it to that first before discarding it yeah without a doubt I mean we always say the original sustainability queens were our grannies because mm. they were the ones who mended everything they wore any item of clothing they had to absolute death until until it was nothing but a few strands of thread but it's it's all about mending what's already there seeing what you can, how you can rework it and how you can elongate its lifespan really it's so important and it's it's brilliant as well to see this resurgence of mm. uh, that industry it's brilliant and i think it's worth mentioning definitely that as we kind of said like the 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 og sustainable queens were our grannies before there were keep cups before there were you know aluminium bottles before there were there was all of these amazing sustainable products our grannies were sustainable they weren't using single single use things so you probably have things in your home that you mm. can use to be more sustainable. It's not about going out and spending 150 yeah. euro in a sustainable shop and buying a whole haul of new sustainable things. Look at what's at home. Look at what you can put in your bag. Like Geraldine said, a ceramic mug is perfect. There's yeah. loads of different mm. alternatives. Use a takeaway, a, an old takeaway box. You don't need to go yeah. and get those tin lunch boxes if you don't have them. Just use an old takeaway container. Yeah. There are things in your home that you can use to be more sustainable. Yeah. You don't have to pay a cent to get them. Exactly, because sometimes I think it can be a little bit expensive yes. to get those products, but you're dead right. If you just look in your kitchen, you probably have it all. Yeah. At the end of every episode, we're going to have a little section which is going to kick off right now and it's called Five Fast Facts on SF. Taz, take it away. Yeah, okay, cool. So the, the first one comes from Green Story Inc., which is kind of a research firm. And they say that buying a used item of clothing reduces its carbon footprint by 82%. So next up, textile dyeing is actually the second largest polluter of water globally. And it accounts for 20% of all the waste in our water systems. And that fact came from the United Nations Environmental Reports in 2018. And this one is kind of a bit of a positive one. So the clo- the secondhand clothing market grew 21 times faster than traditional retail over the past three years. And that one came from the Thread Up Resale report that was in 2009. Great report. Wow. Yeah. And then I don't know if you know, but to make one cotton t-shirt, it requires 2,700 litres of water. And that is the equivalent of one person's drinking water for three to four years. Jeez. That came from the WWF. Finally, I think kind of we harp on loads about the circular economy of clothing and why it's important to buy secondhand. So if everyone bought one used item instead of new this year, just one new, we would save enough light, we would save enough energy to light up the Eiffel Tower for 141 years, and we'd also save the weight of one billion polar bears going to landfill. That much weight worth of waste textiles. That came from the Green Story Environmental Study. Well, well, thank you so much, Taz and G. I'm going to call you G from now on because I think that sounds so glamorous. Um, thank you so much for coming in and chatting. I really hope that maybe someone and the people listening have taken away something that can change today in their lives. Yeah. Follow yeah. you guys on Instagram. Yes. It is at Sustainable Fashion Dublin. Yes. Am I right? Because you guys just post so much great stuff there. So I think if anyone wants to go and continue this cycle, just go to your Instagrams. That's it from this episode of Dirty Laundry. You can follow me over on Instagram at Tara Stewart DJ and catch me every weeknight on 2FM with the brand new music show from 8pm. Until the next episode, I'll talk to you then. Partnering with RTE on climate is not enough. AIB, we pledge to do more.